to the 11th Hour, a weekly podcast about Rancid. I'm Brad Rose from Foxy Digitalis. I'm Sam Melancon for, from Debacle Records. <laughs> and once again, this week, we have a guest. So uh, let me introduce Jeff Tobias from many bands, <laughs> solo career. I don't know how, I, don't, I probably should have asked how I should introduce you, but um, you know. I am from many bands, and I have a solo career, so that was accurate. All right. Some <laughs> of the bands um, you're in, Sun Watchers, um, Mo- Modern Nature, is that right? Am I? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, I just had a moment of <laughs> deer in headlights, like, oh, God, what does Jeff do? Um, those are all, those are, yeah, those, um, Sun Watchers, Modern Nature, I play in a band called The Reps, and uh, and I have, yeah, I put out my own music under my own name. And uh, I do a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, and so just a like Jeff and I only sort of. I mean, we know each other through Twitter. That's how I know everybody. I know everybody through Twitter because I talk about Rancid. Like literally everybody. <laughs> be like, oh yeah, I saw you talking about Rancid and started, you know. Um, but you had, um, I think the main pl- way we connected is that you had a solo record that you put out this year. Yes. And yeah. so everybody should check that out Thank Jeff, you. Uh, you you don't know this because the episode's not out but i'll just get this out of the way uh brad was like oh yeah jeff's gonna come on next week i was like oh great you know and we've been you know seeing you online and interacting and uh with the pod and you know it's like oh that's be great and i had i had checked out your solo thing when brad had mentioned it and all these things in the middle of the episode yesterday or last time when he mentioned that you were in sun watchers i kind of lost it because i i love sun watchers and for some reason i had not put it together whatsoever <laughs> that you were in sun watchers so i'm a, i'm a, like a total fan of your band and was really uh bummed when something happened either i was out of town or it never ended up happening at the roller rink down the street from me in seattle but um, oh yeah 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 well first of all thank you and uh yeah no the roller rink gig happened um <sighs> Fuck, i was out of town or something like it's even it was worse. such a bummer <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's ten times worse. Uh, yeah, I was so stoked because like people don't come play that venue very often, but it's like up the street from me. So, um, yeah, uh, big big fan, and just uh, really stoked to have you on. You know, either way, but it was a nice surprise when Brad was like, "He's in Sun Watchers." I was like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> so, I apologize for uh, kind of apologize for not knowing that, but also like really stoked to have have you on. I'm really um, I'm stoked to be on the show, uh, and and yeah, thanks. So, uh, you know, you connected with Brad and said you you know seems like you guys even had some rancid conversations maybe even before the pod and everything. I should uh, interject well, here that uh, Jeff was actually so Sam's mission. Well, he's had like two missions for this podcast. One is to convince me that Matt Freeman can sing. The other is basically he's like the evangelist for Life Won't Wait. And mm. I remember I said something on Twitter about like these two amazing records. I was talking about Let's Go and Out Come the Wolves. And I think it, Jeff was the first one who was like, actually, Life Won't Wait is also really good. And so that was kind of the I, where I started like, oh, I need to reexamine this. So anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. So, but I'd love to know like, what is your history with Rancid? And like, you know, how'd you get from there to here? And uh, yeah, let's start there. Yeah. Well, um, Gosh. So, you know, um, I guess it all started at my bar mitzvah. 
because I was very lucky to uh, have a cousin who builds bass guitars. Um, his name is Michael Tobias. He's an older cousin. And uh, if you've ever heard of Tobias basses, that, that was him. He, he was making those in the 80s. Um, uh, and he's like, you know, I remember like buying like bass player magazine and reading that he, you know, he had like an ad with his picture in it. You know, he's like a very respected wow. bass guitar luthier. Um, and so, um, I got this bass guitar from him, like a short scale bass, uh, for when I turned 13. And, um, then my, my bass teacher was this guy, Dave Ringle, who, uh, was, um, the son of one of my mom's friends. And he played bass in this Long Island. I'm from Long Island, New York. And, uh, he played bass in this really popular Long Island ska band called Edna's Goldfish, um, which is a perfect Long Island ska band that name. Sounds, yeah, exactly. It's right. like it's like flawless, like Edna's <laughs> Goldfish. It's almost like Cellar Door in terms of ska band names. Um, <laughs> yeah. And and so I uh, he was teaching me how to play bass, and you know uh, he would like he hit me to the all ages shows, and I'd never been to any of those shows before, you know. And so I I was thirteen, and I started going to these all ages shows. And it was it was an incredible experience for me because I was like, oh my God, there's all this music that's not accessible on radio or television that I can just like, and zines. I mean, it just like, you know, life changing. Totally, totally set yeah, me on the absolutely. path that I'm on now. Um, and and this is this is maybe I mean, I think you have to like own all these embarrassing things of your youth, but this is like maybe the most embarrassing thing I'm going to say today. I'm hope, hope, <laughs> that is hope. really becoming kind of like one of the subplots of the right. podcast. Of, of the embarrassing. Like, fuck it. Like, yeah. yeah. I like the things I like. I liked other things that maybe I don't like anymore, you know, and it all happened. Right, right. Well, well, okay, but here, check this out. This is like, this is not even an aesthetic choice. This was like a, this was like a, um, a, 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 behavioral choice that I'm, I'm like oh my okay, god why yeah yeah uh, so uh, I was like 14 going to these shows and I had a girlfriend who was into harder music than I was because at this point I really wasn't sure if I liked punk like I knew I liked ska but I wasn't sure if I liked uh, punk mm -hmm. because I was like I, I don't know like is it violent like maybe I don't I don't is it like I don't know if I'm into this and so, but I knew she was into punk, so I didn't listen to Rancid at the time, but I got her Life Won't Wait as a birthday present on CD. And we'd been dating for like a month or two, and of course I was like 14, so like what does that even mean? But, um, you know, and then I go to the show with her, and she hung out with this other dude, like the whole <laughs> show. And I was like, what the hell? I bought her, like, I went to Sam Goody. I got her the CD. This is messed up. And at the end of the show, I asked for the CD back. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Which is like, ugh. What a wow. move. I, I know. It's like, I, I pretty questionable. At, yeah. You know, like, not cool. Not, not, not classy. <laughs> right. Really, like, I'm, I'm, I'm like cringing, but I'm, I'm just going to lean there into it. There was a lot a of, bit. like, arms folded. I don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, you know like, like hands firmly in the cargo shorts, like yeah, pockets, exactly. yeah, like, yeah, you know, just like, looking at your feet. Yeah, like, ouch, ouch. So, yeah. anyway, but then, but that's like, that's the, that I brought it home and I was like, I'm going to listen to this. And I was like, oh, this is great. I think I like this. And it really 
it, it genuinely was a moment of like, oh, punk is all these other things, mm. which, you know, later on, pretty soon after that, I got into Minutemen, which like, that's like, that's like, <laughs> right. the tr- that's like the true yes. art, like, like punk can be anything experience getting into the Minutemen. But at the same time, like, you know, Life Won't Wait had this sprawling yeah. quality and it's so long also there's like so many songs on it uh and and so that was like yeah that was a big moment life won't wait then and then after that like i checked out and out come the wolves and i was like i was like a legit fan at that point and then then i got i got rancid 2000 and i really loved that too mm-hmm. and that's but that's the extent of my fandom like I, I I never got into any of the records before that period, and I never got into any of the records after that period. And well, yeah, that's that's really funny because I think in the evolutions of our and the podcast, like we're kind of coming to the realization that those are kind of the three you want, really. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and in certain for different cohorts, that might be kind of sac kind of sacrilege, not not too crazy, but I mean, like you kind of did the right thing where you skipped along the surface and just grabbed all the great stuff and then pieced out you know what i mean like you're kind of doing it right well i i agree with you from a musical perspective i think that there is a understanding about rancid that like if you're actually a cool person and you've always been like an act like like a true punk it's let's go and nothing else oh god and you know just, what i mean like we're that- starting this war against let's go i feel like because we're just like it's fine you know is the new feeling it, I well and that. like for me like let's go that was the first one i heard when i was i think i yeah. was 15 and and so for the longest time yeah it like that and then out come the wolves were sort of my it was my canon if you will and then it's been funny as we've done this podcast and i've dug into it more yeah like my my love for let's go has waned significantly and my um my appreciation for a lot of the older stuff, but life won't wait, especially has like kind of skyrocketed. And yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I have such I have such mixed feelings about. Let's but, go. But, but just but, in terms of like, um, like not being a poser, like, or or like <laughs> like that that's uh, that posture yeah. that posture of like absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, let's go is the only one. If you then went and in, got into crass, if like you then got right. into like discharge. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. um, and I'll, but you know, it's kind That's of funny, true. like, because I listened to y'all's episode about radio, is mm-hmm. and and radio is radio on Let's Go. Yeah, it's so funny to me that like Let's Go is considered like the no like the the, the only serious rancid record because radio. I was listening to it and I was like, this is like a musical theater song, like. <laughs> Like, like, the, like, the lo- like the way it opens, it's like the love letter to music. And it's like, yeah, yep. like, and then the big fanfare. Starts. Yeah. yeah. It's like Tim Armstrong's it, salute to music, you know, hats I off to music. I love that you brought that up because more and more I'm like, dude, Tim Armstrong really is just a musical theater writer and doesn't know what to do with it. And then like at some point <laughs> in the 2000s, he did do a bunch of mu- musical theater with all his like way over the top friends like Davey Havoc and stuff. And like, really? Yeah, oh, man. it's what it's it's like, wild to watch. I, I it's all on YouTube like th- or some of it is. I'm, I'm one of those people that that sort of thing I kind of have to watch through like my fingertip, you know, like going, right. oh, I don't know if I can handle this. Um, <laughs> and like Lars acts in a lot of it. Lars acts, yeah, yeah. 
Wow. I use the word. Act, I mean, that's yeah. Acting was attempted, and Lars was there. <laughs> that's. Uh, I, I mean, in a weird way, that's like good for them. Like they did something. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. kind of our new message. Is like uh, maybe it's not all for us, but like at least they were trying some stuff. So one. So you know, a big part of this podcast is like there's a lot to be disappointed about by Rancid, and there's this weird thing of how much I love Rancid versus how much I find a lot of them cringy or difficult or. Sh- God, just shut the hell up, guys. You know, like about them. And one of the things is about how do we bring Rancid forward into the work we do today? It's weird that we're into the music we're into, like Brad and myself, and um, obviously you. And, you know, Sunwatchers kind of makes sense to me, but I don't want to put that on you of like, <laughs> did you unlock how to bring punk vitality into your current experimental work? But, like, that's definitely like a little story i made up in my head but like how do you frame that you know <laughs> like uh with your work today mm. um well i haven't really thought about that question but like hmm. i mean i think that in punk rock there are bands that are extremely um doctrinaire in how they approach what they do where there's really they stay in their one lane and mm-hmm. they refine that lane maybe but they're you know just a pop punk band or just like like i never got into bands like hot water music because every time i listen to hot water music i was like oh this still that's just it's just hot water music it just sounds like this one thing and i thought that one thing was kind of boring um whereas you know rancid f- f- in terms of like what i was listening to in their catalog I was like oh like there's all these different things happening like there's going to be DJ scratching on this one song or there's going to be a vibra slap or like an organ solo or something which is like I understand that's like pretty basic as far as like being eclectic goes but I think the, the sort of like anything goes as long as it makes sense in our world and it isn't like um like never do anything that doesn't feel legit in terms of what you're interested in um but don't be limited um by a genre Mm -hmm. i think that that is sort of maybe applicable to the sun watchers world does that make sense yeah totally absolutely and and I think the the frustrations we have as people who go, who like we always talk about like it's like Rancid we were like parallel to Rancid at some point in our lives and at some point we kind of kept going, and the thing that we have is like you're obviously interested in experimenting, why don't you keep experimenting? But it's like their level of experimenting is as long as Joe Strummer could identify it as music, you know what I mean? Like like you know like like they there is a dogmatic element to it, but it's like but they are very much you know spread out across a much wider aperture than, than most of their peers and yeah that definitely was an influence on me. Yeah. yeah yeah makes sense all right so should we get into week, the pick yeah exactly you you brought us not only life on wait but the title song
Okay, so Life Won't Wait was, of course, on Life Won't Wait. <laughs> Came out in June of 98. Songwriting credits on this are Tim and Lars and Vic Ruggiero, which seems kind of obvious, um, and then Buju Banton, which is awesome, and that he's also the guest musician, produced by Tim and Lars. Um, yeah. So what what made you want to pick this song, Jeff? Um, I'm terrified right now. Well, <laughs> well, you know, um, I don't know if this applies to either of you, but I feel like in my day to day life, there's a rotation of a couple of dozen songs that I will just get caught in my head for no reason, not because I was thinking about the band, not because I wanted to listen to the song. Oh, yes. So often. Yeah. But like, there's just certain songs that like you hear a word and all of a sudden it's like, Ooh, um, I have that song caught in my head. And that, and, and the, the song life won't wait by rancid is one of those songs for some reason, um, that will just like pop into my head. Uh, from time to time so that when I thought about Rancid that's like the one of the first songs that pops into my mind but um but also um have you guys listened to um that podcast that Open Mike Eagle hosts called uh What It Happened Was yeah yeah Brett uh Brett have you listened to it no I haven't it's a I've only listened to one season uh-huh. And it's incredible because it's a complete career retrospective of LP. Yeah, that's the one I've listened to. I want to get into the oh, other wow. ones too. And the, LP is up there with Rancid. Oh, yeah. Def Jux and Rancid are, are like very similar, like this is why I do what I do sort of thing. You know. So. Same here. And awesome. um, the interview with LP is incredible across the whole podcast going, you know, it's it's a chronological look going back to company flow all the way through run the jewels and all that stuff. Wow. And I forget which episode it was, but, um, they talk a little bit about how LP, you know, was like really into conspiracy theories on the company mm-hmm. flow and like early solo LP stuff. Um, and, and open my Eagles like, yeah, so, where was that stuff coming from for you? And he was like, oh, well, this was before the internet. So you would have to go to like Tompkins Square Park or whatever. I'm, I forget, I'm like paraphrasing now. But like mm-hmm. the only access that he had to that to conspiracy theory thought was self-published pamphlets and books that you would get in a park, you know? And, Mm -hmm. and, and like, it's kind of funny, like I was listening to the last episode you guys have up now, which is, uh, which is for the intro of the album. Mm -hmm. And you guys were sort of like addressing how the little sample at the beginning is kind of corny and a little much where you, you have this recording of a guy being like, the material you are about to bear witness to is of a deeply esoteric and, uh, dangerous quality and it might change the way you think right. which is like and then it's like hey ho right. like, come on come on come on right but but like this song yeah like yeah. i was 14 years old i didn't really know anything about anything like i was barely a political <laughs> thinker at all 
it, to the extent that I was, I was probably maybe just beginning to like question things that my parents believed. And, and then you've got like this song that's about the new world order. And it's about, you know, uh, Lars specifically, he mentions the eye atop the pyramid. Right. He has the one line that I think about all the time, which is, uh, did the mob tell the CIA to install this state of fear? How many of us wish we were up to Jack Kennedy's ear? To s and then they go into the chorus. Uh -huh. <laughs> and like, at this point, like, stuff about like the CIA and the mafia and the JFK assassination is like really old hat and it's like very well trod territory. And I think maybe if you were 10 years older than I was at the time, it would, you would feel the same way. But I don't know, like, yeah. I, 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 it was sort of like, I, I didn't know what he was talking about. I didn't have any context. Like I'd never seen the movie JFK, which I guess had come out a couple years before that album. But I think that there's like something to be said for like pre-internet um, dissemination of thought that is like not mainstream in terms of alternative history. You know and what I mean? How, and how at the time, this this absolutely is very similar thoughts. But I was thinking about how in the 90s and the early 2000s, the weirdos kind of had this kitschy love of conspiracy theories. Like uh, hanging out in the yeah. noise scene, I had so many friends who were, who were just like gobbling that stuff up and I'd be having arguments about the moon landing. And it felt really harmless. You know what I mean? Like it felt really like kitschy and harmless and this person's just having fun in a fantasy land well i mean consp conspiracy theories were even like so mainstream at that point there's like a big hollywood movie about it that mel gibson movie right yeah and yeah and and jfk right, right. like you know like like the like yeah there was i feel like there, there was, like was a, a period of like it was kind of a artsy leftist thing to kind of collect and some people really were into it and some people were kind of like Look at this this wild like like you said like you had to go to the conspiracy bookstore to get this stuff and you have to go to early internet like disinfo if you remember which god i'm sure that has bred some of the horrible stuff that we're in and like i, I remember lp kind of talking about how like yeah that doesn't do it for me anymore because now i'm in the real world and i'm also not a 19 year old angry kid looking for like a fantasy land anymore <laughs> you know what i mean like and like all this stuff and yeah it was it was in prepping for this episode, I was really happy I went back to that AP uh, thing that came out around the time of this where Lars, like, stumbles through the door and he's, like, got a bunch of conspiracy theory books in his arm and he's just starting to talk to the guy about, like... And, it, like, the context is that of, like, a person who just loves the, the wackiness of it. You know, it comes across as all the people I've known who kind of, like, oh, okay, you're cool, even though you're deeply into this, you know? And less, like... Now, when you, when you hear him talking about the New World Order and uh, all this stuff, you're like, oh, man, I'm constantly worried. I spend so much of my time constantly worried that we're actually going to find out Lars is a lot shittier than he is. But, like, it seems like he just threads the needle and is just into stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe that's me being, a, you know, kind of apologetic for it. But, like, this song, I remember even at the time, I could not find the article, but I remember an interview being like, he was like, yeah, I wish I had thought more about what the New World Order said. But, I mean, I obviously am not racist or whatever. And and it was interesting. Like, even at the time he was getting, uh, you know, calls being called out as anti-Semitic and certain things, you know, from this song. Uh, 
and I could not find it, but I know it exists. I, I absolutely know it. And, uh, and, and, and then going back and seeing a couple of his other conspiracy theory things from the time, you remember it felt a lot smaller and it felt a lot more like what you talked about with LP. You know, it felt more like here's this kind of subversive thing I'm into that's again more kitschy. I don't know. Like, does that resonate for you guys? Well, I mean, first of all, I didn't, I, I, I wasn't aware that people have like, uh, had like, um, beef with the song about anti-semitic stuff although that does make sense um you know i mean you know one thing about this song that is so 20th century is um so like the (laughs) it's so funny to like parse this stuff so like the, (laughs) the chorus of the song is the vision is a new world order right right but yeah. it's clearly meant to like kind of also sound like division is right. a new world order. Yeah, yeah. And which I think most of my life I thought it was division, and I'll slide back into that when I'm just passively listening to it. Right. Yeah. And, I, and that's you know probably yeah. I'm sure it's intentional, but like the thing that a critique of the idea of a new world order used to be rooted in, I believe is anti-war sentiment mm-hmm. and tim mm-hmm. gets into that in his verses where he's right. like i don't want to see the little man fighting the big man's wars and like the the idea like the the critique that you used to hear more about you know all the all the you know the the puppet masters or whatever yeah. is like they want to keep us fighting and I think that you could really take that from like a left perspective of like, you know, why, why would poor people from different countries fight each other? They don't have a beef with one another. They don't care about like, you know, like it's like Muhammad Ali being like, why would I go and fight in Vietnam? The Vietnamese never did anything to me. You know, I've got more of a beef with the people who are controlling my own country, you know? Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, like, the other thing is like like nothing else in the song other than the usage of the new world order and maybe the usage of Illuminati if you want to stretch it and be very specific of putting those together calls out as being like and these this is the reason why we're in this way you know it does all read like why are we at the why are we at the you know whims of these larger forces that are just you know basically capitalism but you know um and it, you know, it doesn't really call out past those things, but it, I do remember it being like a, a definite thing at the time. Yeah, I mean, it's it's I, I'm I'm almost like a little embarrassed now that I didn't even like think about the idea of this being an anti-Semitic song. I I I just it's been so in my bones as a listener <laughs> that like it never even occurred to me. But I mean, <laughs> I have a I have a very close friend whose uh, brother um, really went round the bend with David Ike stuff. Um, and he, uh, my, my friend's brother, he was like, you have to watch this movie. And I'm not even going to say the name of it because no one should watch it. It's total garbage. Um, but, uh, it's a very, it, it, it was produced and directed by the, uh, heir to like a massive fortune of a company that everyone's heard of. And it's basically, it's a conspiracy theory movie where, the end of it, the um, 
he's like, well, how do we fight these forces who are making crop circles and poisoning all of the world's water? Well, that's simple, my friends. Libertarianism. That's all we need to do. <laughs> and so, like, okay. So, obviously, his class interests, like, then kind of become revealed. Right. But yeah. there's a really fascinating moment about, like, a third of the way through this movie, which I have to admit, I only watched, like, we skipped through. The, it's, like, three hours long, and me and my friends got really stoned and just, like, skipped through it because it's, like, unwatchable. Right. But uh, there's um, a part where... <laughs> he's talking about like the Rothschilds and, and all this stuff and then he he's like on a serious note or not even on a serious note because he's serious throughout but he's like I wanted to say something and I want to be very clear about it right now these things that I'm talking about are often um, used in the defense of anti-semitism that's not what this is we're not when I say the Rothschilds I don't mean the Jews the way that other people mean it but it's incredible, like, that he had that amount of self-awareness, but not the amount of self-awareness necessary to be like, well, then why am I saying it? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. exactly. Maybe it would be incredibly dangerous to go stoke those. Right. It, yeah, yeah, exactly. And and so, um, but I think that, I mean, the problem with the conspiracy theory stuff generally, like, I remember, like, 10 years ago, that was like kind of when I became aware of someone like Alex Jones. Right. And it was like, I was like, Oh, this guy's hilarious. Like, this is so much fun to listen to this <laughs> screaming guy. And he's so wacky and he's such a clown. And then, you know, starting around 2015, 2016, it was like, Oh, this is like, this is not fun anymore. This is yeah. not fun at all. Like this is because we live in that world, mm -hmm. you yeah. know? And, you know, it's I, like, and I think that like to to people like us who like came up in like counterculture worlds where you meet people who are like, hey, I'm really into this idea of whatever this conspiracy mm -hmm. theory about how things are. I think it's easy for us to kind of take that for granted that we were in counterculture sort of communities where you could take that with a grain of salt mm -hmm. and yeah. not take it seriously on its face. And it was like a fun escape, but like nobody was plotting a, a you know, a Unabomber-esque thing because of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. You, you, you never got the sense of anybody was going to take action. They're like, they're just like LARPing this sort of feeling of so, the world is bigger than it is, right? That's, yeah. So growing up and living in Oklahoma, like we have a bit of a different perspective because one of those guys like literally blew up a building. Yeah, in yeah, Oklahoma yeah. City. That's a good point. And so I remember, and so I was, that was I think I was like fifteen or sixteen when that happened. Um, and it was, I mean, it was around the time that I was like super. I must have been fifteen because I think it was, it happened in the spring when I had just dropped out of high school and hadn't got my GED yet. So I basically just did nothing and hung out at my house all day um but i remember and i but i was very much like on the internet like on uh, america online at that point because that was mm -hmm. and i remember everybody was like oh my god did you feel it did you feel the i was like okay first of all no it's two hours away from here like but but yeah. i remember my you know the people i was friends with in sort of the punk scene or whatever you want to call it back then 
it did there what seemed to be like this weird divide that happened for a little while where there were people who were like oh maybe this isn't such a joke and then there was people who were like see this is you know i don't know it was like a weird tension maybe not a split but there was like this different it felt a lot more real for a while can you explain the split like yeah what do you mean just so i mean there were you know like so there were i think kind of what sam was saying you know like people were it was like larping you know like oh i'm into conspiracy theory and i think i'll i think that there was people in that scene who that's what it was it was it was just kind of a thing and then that when when the oklahoma city bombing happened it sort of made them think like oh maybe i shouldn't just play with this like there it could i could get dragged into something and then there were other people who were like kind of it's kind of something we've actually talked about how it's this it's then there were other people who kind of doubled down on it and it's kind of you know i don't remember what we were we were talking about this with like i hate the phrase cancel culture but you know how some people people will um God, I wish I remember the context of what that conversation was. Well, it's was like saying. when people get something pointed out that's shitty, instead of going, yeah, that's shitty, which is kind of the point of what yeah. some of the things we're doing with Ranted, and going, yes, I can hold both things in my head. This is complicated. They go, no, fuck you. I like it even more because of that. And and take on a identity surrounding something because it's being attacked, you know? Mm-hmm. And that, that makes sense to me with what you're saying, Brad, where you're like... They're either using it as a like, see, this stuff's real, or they're just going, oh. like, they, it becomes more real, and they they kind of glom onto it as like, no, I really do care about this. This really is my identity. It's not yeah. just like a kitschy thing that I did as part of being counterculture, right? Yeah, and so I mean, and, you know, this I'm I'm, this was almost thirty years ago, so I'm trying my, <laughs> I'm trying to, yeah. re- but it was I I do remember in that group like there was this it was like this weird thing for a little while and then like everything else everyone just kind of moved on and you know but um yeah Yeah. and this was and this was you know i mean that i think that must have been 95 i'm thinking so you know that was like way before this and yeah it's really interesting to bring that up and you know sort of see the change we're kind of talking about the like till now where conspiracy theories are kind of ruining culture right. and, and and all these things and being threatening human lives left and right uh i was listening to the thing that kind of talked about when all this became a real thing that was studied and followed by the government a lot of that mechanism came from oklahoma mm-hmm. city bombing being like oh no this is a thing this is just gonna keep getting worse yeah well i mean there was... so it's funny that yeah, funny not funny obviously right but like I had forgotten that Oklahoma City bombing kind of was people's kind of point to it as like, this is where a lot of things start getting real <laughs> about this. Yeah. 90s counterculture, 80s, 90s counterculture was built on top of a arm's length ironic distance and skepticism. Yes. Right? And yes. I think that was built into you start from there and then mm-hmm. you have fun. And I think that's really like shockingly like a late gen x early like what do we call um geriatric millennial i, mean, I think you um you're exactly similar to me in age like it seems like like i think we have this weird thing where we're very internet savvy we know what to like i haven't been able to see a banner ad in in like years my brain just doesn't see them you know like i 
I, I, there's certain things about the early internet that taught me how to be on the internet and certain things about just general media that sort of made me go, yeah, but you know, grain of salt that I feel like is very, I mean, not to talk in simplified language, but I do think there's something about that era where it kind of built that into my bloodstream. You know what I mean? So, I, I mean, we should talk like, this is a wonderful song in a lot of ways. It's a, it's one of the most true rock steady reggae songs Rancid has ever gotten into. Um, <laughs> there's a couple of things I want to talk about. One is the, the funny thing is the, um, the, the main part of the song is that like things are going bad and worse and the chorus is the vision is a new world order and come along and tell your sister and your brother but that's the world saying that like come with us it's like supposed to be like a chant of like uh it's like a negative thing but the song is so bouncy and jaunty and amazing that like uh i think it's so funny how much it comes off musically as like all right let's go New world order. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's, it's a, it's a very funny, uh, combination of things. It's, it's, it's almost as if Rancid's, uh, political and musical ideas are incoherent and, uh, <laughs> don't really have a lot of internal yeah. logic. Yeah. This thing that is really hitting me for sure is this, like, it used to be so normal to write the happiest song about the shittiest things. Like we were talking about, um, Red Hot Moon a couple weeks ago, and it's kind of hard to like it when it's just like, and then she died of an overdose, you know, and like, and that's the world, and then it's like this, you know, ska bop, and you're like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what to do with that, <laughs> um, but yeah, like, uh, we do should talk about Buju, who obviously performs the hell out of this. We, I was reading an interview where like they basically just were in Jamaica, and he popped by, and there he was like come you know come record with me and they recorded with him and he was kind of an up-and-comer and his voice is incredible But um, he does have some controversy around him. That was, I think, maybe why the song was such a target in general, is he had written a pretty awful homophobic, violent homophobic song early in his career. Oh, bummer. Mm -hmm. And he had been really, really, like, I mean, this is kind of the Rastafari, you know, this is a common thing within uh, Jamaican music of being openly shitty. He, (laughs) around this time, I think, and had signed something about, oh, I don't really mean that anymore. That was when I was a kid. And then his career was taking a turn. He's been arrested a few times. So yeah. what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> and then uh, uh, he kind of went back and started performing some of his old stuff. So, like, that's a huge bummer because it is... I, w- I would like to be in a world where I can appreciate the hell out of Buju Granton mm-hmm. without going, oh, yeah, this guy's kind of a shithead. Yeah. Uh, but... Uh, I, I, his performance is pretty wild. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it, it is quite a good uh, performance, and the marrying of the two. God, it's just it's such a bummer. It, um, but that's kind of the that's kind of what we've been talking about. It's like, can I like the thing that's from my youth that means something to me without 
endorsing the background of it. You know what I mean? I um, mean, the idea, like, if that's true that he just like popped by and did his part, that's pretty incredible. Yeah, it, like it, they it, said, they were saying like he just they were hanging out. He's like, you should come to my house, and then he dropped. They wrote this whole song in like an afternoon. He uh, wow. his part reminds me of um that Kendrick Lamar song, The Black or the Berry, where mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. you just like drop in that like reggae toasting voice and it's just like, it's just this right. like, incre- <laughs> like the gr- it, it's like got this gravitas that mm-hmm. like, I feel yes. like, like, like Lars, his thing is like urgent, like, like super aggro urgency. Mm-hmm. Tim's thing is like, come here, I'm gonna tell we you We gotta something. talk about the Tim. Yeah, it's very yeah, it's insane. Yeah, but like his his vibe is very like, come here, I'm gonna tell you something. Right, like put my arm around you and whisper in your ear. Yeah, yeah, like on the DL, like we gotta talk about this, you know. And then like Buju Banton just like, it's fuck all this. Yeah, well he starts he starts kind of on like Tim's level of like conspiratorial. Yeah, but then his second verse is like massive. It's like such a huge sound. It's pretty. It's insane and it goes back to just like this record sounds so perfect i don't even know if it sounds good it sounds perfect though you know what i mean like for the songs that are on it and then again it just kind of this this song to me goes you know vic regera is an all-timer yeah player like he is a member of rancid and and is most of these songs would be nothing without you know him and and you could just hear his you know on this song it makes a lot of sense that he would be a major part but i'm certain he wrote a lot of this stuff just because it sounds like him and my appreciation for vic just keeps going through the roof i mean probably vic's kind of just a random dude that's got problems too but like i don't know man like like i i like that i'm living in a moment where i can just be like i love a good vic ruggiero hook you know like you know (laughs) yeah man slackers yeah slackers are fun man yeah yeah um is he really like? What, did he officially join Rancid at some point? No, like no. he never he's, even did. And like, they were. Um, he's the Billy Preston. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like he just was like in you know from this record, on the next couple, anytime there was a keyboard, you know, Tim seems to have this like rotating crop of reggae or ska bands that he can like dip into when he needs the ska yeah. vibe, you know, and it's like the Agri Lights later, and now it's like the Interrupters and. You know, at times it was Hepcat and things like that, and and once he found the the connection with Vic, it seems like he really ended up being kind of the the go to player for all this stuff. And it adds up to you know stepping back and remembering what it like like this is a really huge sounding anthem that is really amazing. Um, and and I will you know just like you like it, it's something that is really stuck in my brain as like yeah just how many times had i did i listen to this song it, you know like i just I can't even count <laughs> but like uh it is also funny how much like controversy is packed into one little thing um also they were making the point in their uh that interview we found that was fairly manic and crazy uh that i sent you brad like mm-hmm. where they just let other people uh title their records you know like <laughs> Mm. Like and out come the wolves. Was oh just yeah, like Jim Carroll. Minute Jim Carroll thing. He jumped in. You know, he showed up and you know they talked to him for like a half hour and he recorded that. And they're like, oh, that's a good song title or album title. And then like Buju Banton came up with Life Won't Wait and they were like, yeah, that's a good title. 
just you know they want other people to do it um i don't know yeah i mean you know uh um i was listening to that other uh, episode you guys did about uh radio mm-hmm. and i think i forget which one of you brought it up but like uh you were talking about how uh when lars before he joined rancid he he heard them and he was really psyched because he was like man <laughs> finally someone's doing some some really cool stuff everyone's everyone else is trying to sound like fugazi right now right. and doing that emo shit right <laughs> but like you know it's sort of ironic that like all roads lead to white reggae you know like yeah. it's like there he's like he's really just like parsing like a different approach to reggae right you know 100 percent. yeah it's sort of like man i don't know is it really that different i mean obviously it is i mean the, but... the narcissism minor differences is the entire rancid story you know what i mean <laughs> like 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 this is like get over yourselves man like if they're you know they just get in their own way and that that sort of thing i feel like this is the album where they got in got out of their own way the most where they were just like fuck it let's do what we want to do and it's an all-timer because it, you know, it's a great one and and i don't think they'll ever fully recapture the vibe of this one. yeah okay so next first of all i guess uh thank you jeff for being on and oh man talking a bunch of bullshit with us <laughs> thank you thank you for doing this this is a really great project uh and and thanks for having me on awesome um okay so it's my pick next week and i decided like i needed to get some of the sacred cows off the board um because we haven't really i mean we've done a couple but or or maybe my own i don't know this one i think is like i'm writing down my guess okay okay go so next week we're gonna do roots radical oh okay damn okay yeah Hell yeah. To me, that's, I, it's, well, I don't want to get into it. I think it. for a lot of people, that's the Rancid It's song the Rancid song. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and we can talk about Jimmy Cliff and stuff, too, because I, I, any excuse to talk about more radio stuff is always a good thing. Uh, yeah. Cool. So that's about all we got. Um, as always, thanks for listening. You can find us on Twitter and on Instagram at RancidPod. If you have feedback, questions, want to just tell us we suck like reach out we still don't have an email address probably should have done that this week next time we'll have an email address so yeah that's all jeff see ya sam see ya all right thanks again thanks guys yeah till next time later on Yeah, and it's just so funny because, like, once we actually started talking about, like, the New World Order stuff, I was like, oh, right, this song is fucked up. (laughs) Uh, Whoops, maybe I shouldn't have chosen this one.